What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's podcast is a different style of Q&A. It's actually a really special one because my man, the media guy of Boom Boom Performance, and yes, that is his professional title, the media guy. He's also my best friend. He's in my wedding. He was my roommate back in the day. I've known this guy for a very long time. We went to high school together. Travis McQueen. He is on the show with me today. He is the one uh, asking me the questions and kind of giving me the dialogue and answering some questions with me. And I actually had a lot of fun because it's always cool to be able to sit down and bullshit about what I love most, which is training and nutrition. Um, But it was cool to have him on the episode because he is usually behind the camera, behind the scenes. And I think that was like one of the first things he said. He's like, I like being on the opposite side of the camera normally um, because we film this one as well. But you guys are going to get a ton of value out of this episode. We touch on a lot of good topics. Um, clean eating versus macros, stress-related fat loss. Uh, we talk about hypertrophy training. We talk about the new program. Um, we talk about a lot of good topics. We had a lot of good questions coming from the private Facebook group. So we answered those on this podcast. Um, and before we get into it, I do want to have a couple quick announcements that I just want to share with you guys briefly. First and foremost, remember that there is a seminar coming up July 20th and 21st. Guys, it is in Seattle. It's with myself and Lauren Conlon. Lauren is going to be talking about all things nutrition from basic to advanced protocols to get you to your leanest physique, to your best physique. Um, And then I'm going to be covering training program design to create your leanest, best muscular physique. So this is going to be very specific to those who are interested in aesthetic-based training, coaching, nutrition, so on and so forth. Whether you are a coach or a client or just somebody who is passionate about this stuff and wants to get better results, this is the place for you to be. Lauren and I are both very, uh, I say this humbly, intelligent, experienced, knowledgeable, and passionate about what we do in the people we coach, and we're going to bring everything we have into these presentations centered around how we do what we do. So it, again, it's July 20th and 21st. It's a pretty low price for what we're doing, guys. We're really excited about this because it's just about giving and giving and giving and just educating as much as we can. You can grab a link to that and grab your ticket now. There's a limited amount of seats, so I do recommend you jump on this as fast as possible. Um, And it's coming up, so you're going to want to get your tickets to fly in if you're coming from out of state. If you're in Seattle, great. It's going to be in downtown. Um, There's a link for this in the show notes below in the description. Um, And guys, if you want an example of my speaking, my seminar, you can actually download my last seminar, which was on training program design for the general population, in the description. This is completely free. I rarely ever do this. It's going to be limited. It's a two-hour-long seminar that I'm literally giving you for free, so I highly suggest you jump on this. Grab it, listen to it, watch it, um, learn from me, and then if you like what you see and you want a more advanced version of this, a more specific version of this for body composition, aesthetics, bodybuilding, so on and so forth, then you're definitely going to want to be at the seminar live with us, especially because Lauren is going to be going over nutrition. And if you say the second day, you're going to be able to train with us and take everything we talked about and actually apply it into your specific regimen, your goals. So both the links for those are in the show notes, guys. Those are the only announcements I have for you today. Besides the normal, guys, if you can, please help me spread this podcast. The number one reason we do this is to give more and more free education and help people around the world get better results. And the best way for us to grow is uh, three 
different things. Number one, make sure you're subscribed to the show. So if you are not subscribed, please do so now. Number two, head over to iTunes. You can search Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and review. I love reading those guys. They mean the world to me, and they help us grow and reach more people. And then last but not least, share this with your friends by sending it in a text. Shoot them an email. Let them know about the podcast. Take a screenshot. Post it on your story on Instagram. Tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom. And let me know who's listening to the show so we can see that this is reaching you and helping you out. Now, thank you for listening to my rants and my little announcements before the show, but let's get in to this Q&A. How does it feel to be on the podcast, dude? It's weird. First time being on the podcast. Yeah. It's taken a while. This is actually going to be cool because not that you don't know anything about nutrition, yeah. but it's going to be cool to actually try to educate somebody in front of me versus me sitting with my feet up at the desk, like just pretending people yeah. are listening because nobody's listening to me at the time I record. Yeah. So this will be kind of fun trying yep. to dive into things. I'm excited. Yeah. All right, so we're just going to be doing a Q&A today with Cody. For those listening who don't know who the other guy speaking is right now, this is Travis McQueen, the media guy behind the, all the, the good stuff at Boom Boom Performance. Crazy thing I was thinking about, <laughs> dude. So this podcast started by me doing Facebook Lives in our garage when we lived together. Facts. And I used to do them on that kitchen table was that was say, just randomly the in the table. garage. It was just like a pigsty in there. Yeah. And I would just sit there and do lives. And then Theo came over one time and we did a Q&A live together. Yeah. And then somebody commented and was like, you guys should do a podcast. And it yeah. was like, that's a good and idea. And came over and did it. Yeah, and then we started doing it in the kitchen. Yep. That's crazy. Dope. Well, I'm usually behind the scenes, which I like to prefer to be behind, but we just decided <laughs> to change up today. All right, so we're going to start off with the first question. Um, somebody asked, what nutrition strategies do you use with your vegetarian clients? Who asked the question? Let's give them a shout out first, too. Musa Volmer. I've butchered her name over and over and over again. What kind of strategies do I use with my vegetarian clients? Um, vegetarian clients are the most difficult to do anything with, if I'm being completely transparent. Nothing wrong with being vegetarian, but it, it's an ethical thing if... You ethically choose to be vegetarian, more power to you. I don't think there's any advantage to doing it from a health perspective. The disadvantage of it is that when we try to chase body composition, protein, uh, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin B, iron, creatine, all these nutrients that are in foods that help us with body composition and hormones are not found in plants. Yeah. They're primarily found in meats, animal, eggs, dairy, whatever. So the strategies I usually use, unfortunately, is a lot of supplementation. So we're going to need algae oil because they can't take fish oil, but algae oil to get omega-3 fatty acids. Um, probably going to utilize quite a bit of coconut oil so they can still get some saturated fats in there. Probably going to want BCAs or some kind of amino acid. Plants are very low in leucine, which is a big key component of yeah branch chain amino acids inside of protein. Um, so you're gonna need to get more leucine in your meals. Either have a BCA shake with your meal or have it during training, have it between meals. Probably gonna wanna take creatine, probably gonna wanna supplement vitamin B, iron. Basically, you just have to get more nitty gritty with all those and then you have to be even more precise with macros because it's so unbelievably hard to hit enough protein. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Because obviously you can't have meat. So now we have to go, okay, how can I get enough protein without eating way too many carbs? Because if I eat beans and quinoa and stuff like that for protein, now all of a sudden my carbs are through the roof too. So the whole entire dieting strategy just gets more meticulous. You can't be as flexible. Um, you have to supplement some things and it's just, it, you have to, it, it's a choice. If you're going to make that choice, you have to be ready to 
be more dialed in. Like it, it's very difficult to get shredded or get jacked being a vegetarian. Super precise. Super precise. Yeah. Um, which is why I don't recommend it. And to be completely transparent, like there's a lot of missing components in there. So it's not the healthiest thing. There's a reason why animal products are available for us as human beings is because there's a lot of nutrients inside of them. Um, but I agree with the fact that like, if you're doing it for humane purposes, I totally understand. Um, and I think that's great. I don't think anybody should do it for health purposes. It's just more difficult. So if you're chasing body composition, yeah, sure. probably not the best idea, but if you're gonna do it, you gotta be way more meticulous. All right, so um, go on to the next question. It says, Paul Leviton, is there a minimum threshold that can be met for nutrients and is it possible to know it? I mean, if I am maintaining 3,000 calories, for example, and I get 2,000 calories from fruits, veggies, lean protein, etc., is there anything to be gained from getting that last 1,000 from good foods or opposed to junk food? At what point have I eaten healthy enough and the rest is just filler calories? Such a loaded question. Um, I think the best way to answer this question is that basically if 80% of your diet is coming from clean foods, I don't think there's any advantage to it. Um, It goes two ways. Number one way, if you try to fit, like 3,000 calories is a lot of food. So if you try to fit 3,000 calories in with just clean food, it's almost going to be an issue because... Like imagine eating that much protein, that much broccoli and rice. It's just a lot of food. So now all of a sudden you have so much food volume, you're constantly bloated, too much fiber. So you're having either (laughs) painful poop or you're not pooping because you're constipated from too much fiber. It just gets difficult on your body. So some people go too far and eat too much clean food and then now their gut's a wreck. Um, The other side of it is if you have a bad gut or just gut issues or digestive stress at all and you fill a thousand calories with skittles and shit like that you could have the potential possibility of more gut stress because you're getting processed sugar processed foods so it kind of like balances both ways i don't think there's any advantage to it i kind of look at it like there's a checklist like within your 3000 calories are you getting 2 to 3 grams of epa and dha from fish oil omega-3 fatty acids. Um, Are you getting a balance of poly, mono, and regular saturated fats? Are you getting your protein from clean sources? Are you getting 25 to 40 grams of fiber, depending on your weight? Um, Are you getting three servings of greens per day? Are you getting one serving of fruit per day? If you can answer all of those questions saying yes, I think that you can do whatever the fuck you want with those thousand calories. Um, The problem is, is a lot of people need to remember too, is this is why I like a bro diet, because in a bro diet being like, chicken, rice, and fucking broccoli, like what we're gonna eat for dinner tonight. Like very clean and just classic bro bodybuilder. When you measure those as macros, it's 100% accurate, right? Like if I measure Skittles, or let's even like digress from that, wheat thins, or an English muffin, anything in a package is gonna be way less likely to be accurate. In fact, they can be 20 to 25% off and still be legally on the label. So it could say 100 calories, but it could really be 125 calories. Yeah. Or if it's a 500 calorie meal, it could actually be almost 700 calories. And they're allowed to put that on the label, which is pretty fucked up. But they have a 20 to 25% room of 25%, air. 25%, that's wild. Isn't that wild? Yeah. You think that would be illegal. Yeah, But just kidding. Yeah, they, but they're allowed to. But with an apple, you can't fucking do that because yeah. there's no label on it. Yeah. So I think the problem with putting too much of that food in there as uh, junk food or or even like if you go to like we used Chipotle that one time yeah. as an example yeah. in that video the blooper was funny yeah. um, for people you're listening you're not going to know what we're talking about but um, 
you don't know what they're actually putting in. So if you enter it in MyFitnessPal and it says four ounces of chicken and Chipotle, was it four ounces, was it five ounces, was it six ounces? How much do they really put? You don't know. Yeah. What is one scoop of beans? Who fucking knows? But it's going to be really inaccurate. So now you're going, okay, 2,000 calories from clean food, 1,000 calories from uh, junk food. Is it 500 calories or is it 1,500 calories? Who really knows? Because that room for error is so big with the unclean food. So I think it's just better to try to keep it pretty clean for the most part. And then the other like kind of argument is clean food, quote unquote, digests better, therefore it absorbs better. So like if I eat, this is why I love white rice for people trying to build muscle. White rice is so easy to digest and it's pure starch, it's gonna get stored as muscle glycogen. Whereas, again, let's use the English muffin for example, if that grain and gluten doesn't break down properly for you very well, it's probably not gonna digest well. If it doesn't digest well, your gut isn't going to break it down and absorb it and utilize it as fuel for training or muscle. Therefore, is that 1,000 calories going to good use? Who knows? Yeah. White rice, it's pretty much guaranteed. It's yeah. so easy to digest. So I think that the more of your calories you can fit from clean food, the better. Um, for people like him who are, like, let's say, looking to build muscle, my advice is like fill as many of it, as much as you can all the time with whole foods. And then I would use a, a solid amount of calories as like intra-workout nutrition. So like protein and carbs during your training because it's going to go right to muscle. I would rather you see somebody use 60 grams of carbs in their training session if they're doing a bodybuilding program versus 60 grams of carbs coming from candy or Oreos or whatever it may be, Absolutely. especially because of the inaccuracy. And then on the occasions where you want to fit in whatever, like this weekend is Easter when we're recording this, that's the time where you say, okay, all my calories are going to come from shit. So instead of doing 1,000 calories every day, it's like every couple weeks, let all your calories be from whatever and just have fun and enjoy it and be present yeah. and then get back on plan. Yeah. Um, so I think it could go both ways. I don't think, like, I think there's a minimum, going back to his question, I think there's a minimum threshold for nutrients. Like, if you get your three to four servings of greens, you're getting your fiber, you're getting your nutrients, you're getting your omega-3 fatty acids, you're not going to be, like, supercharged or your hormones aren't going to go through the roof if you get, like, twice as many greens, right? You're not going to have better digestion if you get twice as much of this. There's kind of that threshold. So once you hit it, I think you're good. Definitely. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Right on. All right, so uh, Rhiannon Healy has a question. It says, how much of a role does gut health play in fat loss? So, good question. really good question. Going back to like kind of, that's a perfect like segue from the last one. Um, I think it's just, uh, Charles Poliquin had a great quote. What was it? Um, it he said, You're, you know there's that quote, like you are what you eat? You are what you eat. Yeah. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. So his was, you're not what you eat, you are what you absorb. And in like, and he's like a legendary strength coach. He passed away actually recently. But that makes sense in our field because I think it's true. Like if you have a just digestive stress, you're going to be bloated. You're not going to be digestion properly. Um, your nervous system's going to be jacked. Your hormones can be jacked. Your gut kind of controls everything. So if our gut health is very poor, thyroid, testosterone, cortisol, adrenals, like so many different things can go out of whack. Those things go out of whack, your training goes to shit, your sleep goes to shit, your stress levels go up, you're not gonna train as hard, you're not gonna recover as fast, like fat loss, it's, it's very indirect. Yeah. It's not like gut health leads to more calories burned, but it's yeah. like this trickle effect of all these things kind of affect you negatively and now I can't lose fat as efficiently. Yeah. So I think that Number one, if you're not absorbing your food properly, which happens in the gut, I don't think you're gonna utilize your food properly. If you're not utilizing your food properly, you're not gonna build muscle tissue, you're not gonna perform harder, and if you're not performing hard in the gym, you're not burning a lot of calories. Yeah. 
Um, so I think it indirectly affects it quite a bit. The gut is the second brain for a reason. So I think like everybody needs to prioritize it. I think it's become more and more popular. So um, it's not a direct thing, but I absolutely think it affects fat loss, affects muscle growth. I think it affects muscle growth even more because your muscle growth is a process of building in the gym and storing nutrients as muscle. And if you're not storing nutrients properly, you're not rebuilding muscle tissue in, in, or performing hard in the gym. Versus fat loss is more about just how many calories can you burn in like eating less than you're burning. Yeah. So I think it's less effective. But at the same time, like I know people who uh, are not losing weight because they're retaining so much water and they look so bloated and it's all because of gut stress. And we eliminate whatever's causing the stress in their gut or stress in their life that's causing gut issues because yeah. that's tied into it too. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they lose a bunch of weight. Yeah. So... I mean, was her question just... Yeah, that was it. But I, w I was going to see if you could relate. Not, I don't know if relate is the right word or how what how it affects it or relates to it, but to the like what you're talking about, the biofeedback. Yeah. Like how does that the gut health kind of intertwine with that? I think the biggest one is stress. Like yeah. they, they relate stress and gut health quite a bit um, mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons. Number one, when you are super stressed out, like uh, uh, this is actually kind of crazy if you think about it. Like a lot of studies are coming out showing that like when people are stressed out, they immediately have gut issues. Not always, but a lot of times they can correlate it to like all of a sudden you're constipated, you have diarrhea, you have bloating, you have gas, yeah. gut stress yeah. based from just physical stress, mental stress, emotional stress, work stress. So they're definitely tied together. But what's crazy is like uh, anxiety, um, nervousness, anxiousness, all those things. You get like butterflies in your stomach. Mm -hmm. It all starts in the gut. And it's kind of crazy that you get that gut feeling or like yeah. you feel like you're going to puke. It's all connected, like yeah. that's gut health, right? So I think from a biofeedback standpoint, the biggest thing is that you either start with emotional work, physical, any kind of stress, and it causes gut issues, that can directly affect your thyroid, cortisol, and all these other hormones that directly impact metabolism, which stops you from losing fat, or you get gut stress, which makes you bloated and gassy, which gives you physical and emotional stress because you're embarrassed about being bloated or gassy, or you constantly have to go to the bathroom, or you just feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So it, it just keeps going back and forth, right? Um, so I would say the biggest thing from biofeedback is just overall stress, going back and forth. All right, cool, next question. Um, we're gonna get right into it with uh, Nike Ross, NYK. I don't know if I butchered that or not, but. Nikki. Nikki, Nikki think... Ross. Is there How? no, is it not N-Y-K-K-I? No, it's N-Y-K. Uh, I think that must be a nickname. I believe it's Nikki. How do you know when you are done with a reverse diet? Hmm. Very vague. It is very vague. I think... Uh, it depends. <laughs> that was my answer. Yeah. Uh, shit. Um, uh, I would just say, I mean, to give a vague answer back when your biofeedback improves. Yeah. Like, we could probably end it there. Um, I think the problem with reverse dieting is that people want to see a physical result, not an internal result, like an external versus internal. For sure. Like, that's a goal. there's so many before and afters and I'm guilty of it too, where it's like before I was eating 1200 calories and I was kind of chubby and now I'm eating 2000 and I'm ripped and people want to be like, oh, when you reverse diet and add calories, you're going to get ripped. And the reality is that very rarely happens. Usually it's like, okay, we reverse dieted you and brought you up calories you probably gained weight, but you felt a lot better, you trusted the process, and then six months later, you lost weight on more calories than you were before. Yeah. And all we see is before and after calories, we don't see that this took a year. Yeah. And we don't see that you gained weight first, you know what I mean? So I think that like, for most people, 
you have to determine what biofeedback sucks at the beginning and then look for that to improve. So if you go into this and you're dieting and you need to reverse and you know that your sleep and your stress are the two worst things, or maybe it's going back to the gut health thing, maybe it's your digestion or it's your performance or like you haven't had a PR in the gym in forever, then you should reverse diet and watch your PRs in the gym. Or you should reverse diet and see if you start sleeping through the night. Or you should reverse diet and watch your anxiety. Um, that's a big one for a lot of people that nobody thinks about, your stress and anxiety. That should improve as you increase calories. Um, and I, sometimes as a coach, I have to like fish for it. So like I'll get, like I have a client that I'm thinking of right now that's struggling with the reverse diet process because she's been trying to lose weight for a long time. She loves CrossFit, but she's not performing better because she's not eating for shit. Yeah. She has a high stress job. So she'll send her update and it's just like, uh, like gained a pound or I didn't lose any weight, like kind of frustrated. And I'm like, hey, how's your sleep? Did you hit any PRs in the gym? Did you notice any improvements whatsoever on recovery? Yeah, I actually feel way less sore this week. Okay, that's huge. That's a big sign that reverse diet is working well. Sometimes you have to fish for it. And I think the problem with people reverse dieting without a coach is they can't fish for it themselves. And even that's the same with me. Like it's hard to be self-aware and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not specific but or particular, but like just to really analyze your own body in that way, it's yeah. tough. So like having somebody like prodding at you, yeah, reflect with you, ask yeah. you, make you review, like I think that helps a ton. But yeah. you should just be looking with for whatever was suffering beforehand. When you when you say look for your biofeedback to improve at when you're reverse dieting, what are you looking out, looking, f you know, for that improvement in a week, in two weeks? Like when, when should you yeah. see an improvement of it? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, so you say we're gonna start really, this to improve something, yeah. but we should see some kind of improvement by. Yeah, I think it really depends. I think certain things improve immediately and certain things yeah. don't. And it depends how aggressive you go. Like, um, So I have some people where it's like, they're really not bought into it and they're really fearful of gaining weight. So it's like, hey, we're gonna add like 10 grams of carbs. You're probably not gonna notice shit. Yeah. But if we do that for three months, now we've added 120 grams of carbs because we add 10 every week. By the time three months hit, you're going to see a huge difference. I have other people that are like, hey, I'm all in. I just want to get this done. And I'll be like, hey, first week we're adding 40 grams of carbs like right out the gate. They're recovering so much faster already because the carbs go directly to fuel. They're recovering faster. They're sleeping better because they're nervous system is shifting into that parasympathetic easier and then they're performing better. So after their first week check-in, they're like, I feel like a superhero, like this is great. Um, so I think it depends on how aggressive you go, but then there's also key things with like, um, I would say stress and irritability usually improve pretty quickly. More food usually kind of cures that. Yeah. Um, physical results, so like PRs in the gym, recovery, um, hormonal stuff, metabolic stuff that just takes a little bit longer at least a few weeks yeah, okay. but a lot of times like people if you want to see dramatic changes in your body you have to reverse diet for damn near as long as you put your body into a deficit so <clears throat> if you like when somebody comes to me and they've been dieting for the last year in a very low calorie diet mm -hmm. and they're like hey we need to reverse that person's going to take a long time yeah. to feel better that person's going to take a long time to see physical results yeah. internal results whereas if somebody was like hey i just got done with the 12-week cut i need to reverse diet out of this we're gonna see improvements pretty damn quick because gotcha. three months isn't that long. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that cut was probably aggressive. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, it, I think it really, really depends. And you can be, um, like the leaner you are, the faster I feel like, like Jeremiah, you know him, um, we're reverse dieting him from that photo shoot right now. And he's very self-aware because he is a coach. So with him, like 
when we brought him up, he's really lean, so he handled the, the calories that we added very well, and he noticed differences right away. Like, he right off the gate was like, man, I'm getting a better pump already. And it's after like a week. So he's filling out in the gym better. So he noticed it right away, yeah. instantly gets a buy-in. And that's a good sign too. Yeah. Like with CrossFit, it's harder because it's not, it's like it's very intense. But if you're a bodybuilding style uh, trainee, if you train that way, you'll notice the pump right away. And that's because you're fueling your body with more carbs and more water and more sodium. It just stores in your muscle. So that's, I like seeing that because you'll notice it right away and that's motivating. Yeah. Like, damn, I'm getting a better pump in the gym already. Like, this is working. I'm bought in. I'm motivated to do it. I'll stay consistent. Sure. And like with him, we brought his calories up for like four weeks and we finally got his fat over a certain amount. And he was like, man, when I get over 65 grams of fat, my body feels better. Libido feels better. Energy feels better. Like I noticed so much less irritability. Like that was perfect. I'm glad we hit that sweet spot. But that's a lot of self-awareness yeah. to know that once you go below 60 grams of fat, you start feeling kind of shitty. Yeah. So when we reverse dieted him, that was like, but knowing that, I was like, okay, our priority is to get you over that because that means your hormones are going to get back to normal. And then we can kind of baby your carbs up slowly so you stay lean. But that takes a lot of self-awareness. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not that many people can you say that. You got to be a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he dieted with me for, I mean, we took him, I don't know if you saw the blog that I posted about yeah. it, but people have been freaking out about that. Like, I mean, yeah, it was insane. Yeah, shredded. And... The cool thing about it is I broke it down. Like, so nine months of coaching, it was like 4,500 words. Yeah. Like every month, this is what we did. This is how we dressed his calories. This is the cardio we added. This is the program he was doing. So I'll link that in the show notes of this, but people fucking love I had clients reach down and were like, fuck yeah, I'm so happy I'm working with you. Like, this is dope. And like, uh, random people were hitting me up. I feel, I feel like that's not stuff you just post in a blog though. <laughs> like exactly how it goes. Exactly. So this is- uh, so this Education, is what, man. So I think, I think that's, that's a good point because some people will hit me up and be like, why do you give so much free shit? Yeah. But a good example, I got on the phone with a guy today. Um, I sold him on coaching for Caroline, so I hooked him up with her. And he was like, dude, like you give away so much free shit. Like it's insane. I've been reading all your stuff. Like thank you so much. Yeah. That's why I do it. Because people need accountability. People need support. Every detail I put in that blog about his diet breaks, his refeeds, it's going to be different for every person. So nobody can read that blog and do exactly what Jeremiah did and assume they're going to get the same results because his metabolism is different, his muscle mass is different, his amount of fat, how long he's been doing this is different, his training, everything is different. Yeah. You can use the principles, but they have to be catered to you. So for me, I'm like, fuck, I'll give away as much free shit as I can because it can never be individual. Yeah. Like content can't be individualized. Yeah. It can just be general methods and, and tools and strategies, right? Yeah. So... I don't know. For me, I think the more I can give, the better. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I guess if they really know what they're doing, to use that education to be able to individualize it to themselves, more power to you. Yeah, exactly. Still use it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But and not not many people can do that. No. And, yeah. and my whole thing is, too, is like, I, I like we talked about this a million times. Like, this brand is a movement. Like, I want to build this movement. So for the people who truly need help, truly need help adjusting, getting support, all that stuff, they're gonna hire us because they know we're the best and I stand by that. Like I always say, like I've wrote this a couple times, we're creating the Justice League of coaches because I believe we're just the shit. Like yeah. I'm, I have so much faith in our coaches. But for the people who are coaches or are like, I don't need that because I understand this stuff, they're gonna, like you said, more power to you, you're gonna use this stuff, but you're gonna support my movement. You're gonna share our content, you're gonna spread the word, you're gonna help us build this yeah. as a brand to all the other people that want free information. So. For me, like that's the most important thing. They took it for a reason. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, dude. Awesome, man. That shit fires me up. So, uh, 
Hmm. Let's see here. All right. So this uh, person is talking about your new ebook. I think uh, fit. Um, he said they say it's Chubbs McGee, Daisy May. Oh yeah, I think they asked a. <laughs> I laugh every time I see Chubbs McGee. Yeah. Couple reasons why. Number one, isn't that from an Adam Sandler movie? Yeah. Chubbs McGee. No, 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 just Chubbs. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The uh, his golf instructor. Yeah. Um, but then I also think of. Uh, Chubbs that we know from growing up. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Eric's little, little brother. brother. Yeah. Every time I see that, I'm like, is Chubbs in my private group? Yeah. And I'm like, oh no. And like, the funny thing about Chubbs is he, have I ever told you he mowed our lawn with a fake lawnmower? No. When I was growing up, dude, my mom and dad would give him a quarter. Over on the he, hill. Dude, he was upset. I'm gonna, like, if anybody from Pfeiffer Milton's listening, they're gonna crack up. Yeah. Um, but he was obsessed with, like, the garbage man, home improvement shit. I don't know why. <laughs> And he would come into our lawn and he would go mm, and just make a noise and walk and there was nothing in front of him. Oh like he was mowing the lawn. Yes. He's like six, seven, I don't know. Yeah. And my parents would like give him a quarter to like mow the lawn and he would do that. And I'm like, damn, just for fun. Yeah. Just going through the lawn. Yeah, I do it every day. And I, and I feel bad because like now he's way older. Yeah. And uh, if anybody in my family ever sees him, like, you remember when you said, yeah. I know. You know what I mean? Like, bring that shit up, yeah. and they're like, okay, dude, I, I get it. I was six, man. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So funny. That's but I think, I think this question is just about the program, right? Like, I mean, I think I answered it. Says, it. I'm on week two of FIT. I'm worried that I'll, I'll, I might backslide in weight and memory for, the, for my Olympic lifting. I also find it curious that lower body isn't hit as hard as upper body. Reassurances or comments? Yeah, so like this is actually a good question because number one, we just launched FIT, FIT, Functional Intensity Training. Um, allows me to give a plug for the new program. For sure. Um, the reason it's called Functional Intensity Program, just for some background and context for people, it's the first program I've put out that's full body but also undulates intensity properly. Like there's a lot of stuff in the industry that overdoes, excuse me, intensity in one way or the other. Either through too much volume and too little intensity or too high of intensity, too little volume. And there's no balance in between. It's just like driving on intensity all week yep. versus undulating, which is what I find very successful is like, let's have days where we drive the intensity through the roof. Let's bring it back down and control it. Let's drive it up. Let's control it. So in controlled and undulating intensity is what drives results because we need stress in order to adapt and recover and then create adaptation which Absolutely. is going to be results right so um but her question was basically she's worried number one that she's going to lose skill on the i'm assuming it i guess should i assume it's a girl is chubbs me a girl a girl a guy uh, their profile picture is two dogs so that's i think that's I why i don't have any idea <laughs> i always think it's funny when people do that uh, my stepmom does that yeah it's micah and i'm like why is micah your picture jill that's not you um it's not you um, but I think that a they're lot of they're going to backslide it in weight and memory for their Olympic lifts. Yeah. So like when you come from CrossFit and you're doing a ton of Olympic lifts or just weightlifting in general, and then you jump into something like this, that's always a worry. But what I always tell people is, and I've actually had CrossFitters do my programming and stop CrossFitting, come back to CrossFit and do better. And the reason I think that happens is because number one, I recommend that they still do the Olympic lifts every now and then with very light loads or even just an empty barbell, just to practice the movement. Because yeah. the hardest part about Olympic lifting is that it's a skill. You have to have very specific form, and that's a nervous system adaptation. So 
if once a week you grab the bar and you do some snatches, you do some overhead squats, you just do some playing around, it's not gonna tax you too much, it's not gonna affect your results physically from the other program you're doing, but it's gonna keep the muscle memory of how to actually go through the movement. For sure. When we stop doing them, your joints get a little bit of a break and now you can focus on the muscles that support those movements in a safer manner, which is what FIT's gonna do, F-I-T. So yep. I don't think she has anything to worry about, or he, if you just do the movements as a skill every now and then, and I've seen people do this, and then the other part of that is she was worried about like not doing enough leg volume. When you do a full body program, we have to remember that two things happen. Number one, your legs are way bigger muscles so they can handle more. So when you spread your volume out throughout the week, you don't notice your legs just be beaten to shit. If you do like a heavy squat day and all you're doing is legs or you have a leg day, you're like crippled walking like a baby deer the next day. The reason for that is because you just hammer volume on yeah. them. But if you do a little bit of legs every day, your volume's probably greater as a whole, so you're gonna build more muscle. However, you're not just hammering the shit out of them in one day, so you don't feel that just tax that from that day. The other piece of that is the upper body has way more musculature. I mean, there's so many different muscles in your back, your shoulders, your arms, your abs, your chest, traps, rhomboids, lats, like serratus anterior. There's so many different muscles in your upper body that if we're spreading volume across the week, one day is gonna seem more upper body dominant because there's more muscles to hit in your upper body. Whereas we can do a couple movements for your legs and you're hitting all three muscle groups because there's not that many, right? Yeah, for sure. Quads, hamstrings, glutes. A little bit of calves if you wanna throw those in there. But um, so like what I told her and I reassured her and she was like, hey, I feel way better about it. It's just, hey, like there's more muscles to hit in your upper body. We're hitting your legs every single day and you're doing conditioning twice a week, which is leg dominant you're hitting your legs plenty. Yeah. Um, we're just not brutalizing your legs in one session by doing squats, RDLs, hip thrusts, lunges, like back to back to back, and you just feel like shit afterwards, gotcha. if that makes sense. Absolutely. So Nice. Cool. All right, that was awesome, man. So we're going to go on to the next one that we were going to do, but uh, from Ian Dickinson. It says, what to do when your program gets interrupted? And I think I said explain. Comment on it, I remember. Well, to, he says, to use his, himself as an example, I just had a road trip that knocked me off the program I've been working on for a while. I'm back at it, but I do. I, but do I repeat the f phase I was on before I got interruption, or do I try the phase I was supposed to progress to? Did he say how long he was on the road trip? So I think it depends. Like, if I have, like, I had a guy um, who started with me, and then a week later he went to Mexico. So we got like one week in. And then he went to Mexico for a week and a half and came back. We started right from the scratch because his periodization, I had him set up on the compound lifts where we uh, dropped reps, I believe, as we went and we increased load. So week one was five by five. Week two was five by four. Week three was six by three. So every week you drop a, a rep, but you add weight. Gotcha. But in that sense, like if you start off and then you take a week and a half break, I find it more productive to get back to it. If you're three weeks into the program, I would maybe repeat the last week, but not the whole entire block. I think going back to the start of a four-week, six-week block is just excessive. wasted time. It's excessive, yeah. yeah. Um, I would rather say, like, hey, like, repeat the last four to five sessions, just that micro cycle, so that one week of training versus the entire program. Um, but in some cases, you can use it as a deload. We can get right back to it. I've had other clients that are, like, three weeks in. They go on vacation for a week. We just use that as a deload. They do like full body hotel training and then you come back and you finish your program and you just peak because you got a good break. Now you can come back and hit your heaviest weights that you've hit in that entire program. Um, so I don't think there's any one right answer. It kind of depends. 
um, on your personality type. It depends on how long you were in that block. It depends oh, on the break was. how long the break was, especially. Yeah. If you're gone for a month, then yeah, I'd probably start back from scratch, you know? So I think it depends. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, so James Ward asked, what is the best way to adjust macros to address insulin and sensitivity issues? And when do you trans when when to transition them back to the sport training slash recovery in a fat loss setting? Um, I think like if you're going to address insulin sensitivity, I think it depends on the, the uh, amount of resistance you're seeing. So if you have a ton of insulin resistance and you actually know, so like if you test your blood glucose levels and you see that your insulin is shit, that means you're not absorbing carbohydrates properly. In that sense, we need to completely remove carbohydrates because that's the only way to reset your insulin. So there's a couple ways you could do this. Number one, you could go keto. So either like Atkins style, like low carb, high protein, high fat, or you can go like literally keto. If you can adhere to it, I think that'd be the best approach because going keto, super, super high fat, low protein, low carb is the best way to reset insulin because protein through gluconeogenesis, which is a not a very f efficient process, we can turn protein into glucose, which is not what protein is supposed to do. Carbs are supposed to be glucose. But our body needs glucose to thrive, to think, to be fueled, so it'll take protein and do it instead. The best way, and I know bodybuilders who do this too, they'll take a, even like a week, but sometimes up to like four weeks to just go keto. Super high fat, low protein, low carb, reset insulin sensitivity, and then they just shift right back into it. And if you keep calories the same, it won't matter. You don't need to like have a long transition phase. It's basically like go keto for four weeks. Let's say you're at 2,000 calories. You go keto, keep testing your blood glucose levels and watch them improve. So you could do it for a week and see improvements or you might have to do it for four weeks. Yeah. Once you see that number on the blood glucose reading that you wanna see probably in between like 70 to 85, below 90, once you see that, you can just literally switch right back to the higher carb approach. However, you just gotta keep your calories at 2,000. You don't wanna go into a calorie surplus at that point. Um, so I think the best strategy to do is either go full-blown keto or if adherence is an issue, um, you don't wanna go super low carb and sacrifice performance in the gym or anything, carb cycling. This is where like some days where you do like, like one day a week, you do a 24-hour uh, fast or you only have high carb days on your training days. So let's say you're training four days a week, you have high carb days on those and you have like ultra low carbs on your non-training days where you literally don't have, yeah. yeah, and you just undulate it and you don't literally don't have any carbs. So it's just like protein, fats, veggies. Um, another really good way, this is actually probably my favorite way to do it and this is a good way for people to get shredded is a form of carb cycling where we would go low, low, high. So you do two days back to back of not super high fat because you don't want to go into calorie surplus, but decent amount of fat, good amount of protein, and then just green veggies. No fruit, no starch, no carbs whatsoever for two days in a row. And then you have one pretty high carb day and you just repeat that. And for people who are more insulin resistant, you could do three low carb days and one high carb day. Um, that works really well for just getting people shredded, but also to reset insulin because you have like low carb, low carb, low carb, high carb. Yeah. You're still getting that fuel for training, but you're kind of working that insulin sensitivity a little bit more. But at the end of the day, it's just manipulating carb levels. Like that's really all it is. Gotcha. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we'll see how many we can get in here. Uh, so Carmen Spitzer says, in which cases do you drop calories and in which cases do you add cardio when, when the goal is fat loss? When is it 
Just a client's pre preference. I would say almost always it's when it's a client's preference. I almost always say like if I'm like tiptoeing on the idea of like should I add cardio, should I pull calories, I will always say like hey, if I had to give you a choice, would you rather eat less or do more? And if they're like, I want my food, give me cardio, then that's what I'm going to go with. If they say, I really don't care, I'm going to go with calories because I think calories are more effective. Mm -hmm. Cardio is very hard to predict how many calories we're going to burn because walking on a treadmill, a bike, elliptical, whatever we choose is all going to be different. Um, the speed on this treadmill versus the speed on this treadmill is different at different locations. Your body's energy output is different based on how much muscle mass you have and how fast your heart rate gets quickly so me walking on a treadmill at 2.5 miles per hour because of my heart rate variability in my muscle mass i might burn more or less calories than you right so that 30 minutes on a treadmill is going to affect us both differently but it's a closer range it's still going to affect us a little bit differently but it's easier to predict like if you pull 300 calories and i pull 300 calories it's pretty easy to know that that's creating a deficit and it's going to cause results so if i had to choose one i'd probably go with calories unless I knew that was going to cause adherence issues. Like I know for me, when I'm going on a diet or getting cut, I usually will opt for cardio over pulling calories because I love food and I get hungry quite often. So for me, it's like, hey, I do this for a living. I can adjust my schedule. I'll, I'll wake up and jump on my assault bike, whatever you want me to do. I'm, I'd rather do cardio than pull my calories. Um, but I know for a lot of times for me and for other people, it's more effective to do calories. So I think adherence is number one though. So I always ask that question first. Nice. It's awesome. I'm trying to keep these somewhat quick so we can get a couple in. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll do the last one here. I think it's a good one. Uh, Justin Murphy asked, how do you choose the right nutrition coach for yourself? What was my, what was my answer? Their name rhymes with room room. Hashtag dad joke. Dad joke. <laughs> he, he's a new father. Shout out to Justin. That's why I said hashtag oh. dad joke. He probably laughed. He's dad. I would say, hmm, I want to like, who can get you to adhere? Yeah, I think that's a big piece of it. I'm trying to think of a connection. I'm trying to think of a way to answer it where it doesn't sound like I'm selling myself because yeah. that's not what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. Um, I, I think everything you just said. Number one is some I, the probably the number one thing is finding somebody who's not dogmatic. Um, if you are approaching a nutrition coach and they are a paleo coach or a macro coach or a, like everybody does intermittent fasting or keto or like it's one way, I think that's probably not the best route to go. Even if you agree with their philosophy because that means that they have one tool and one tool only, they don't use all these other methods in order to get you results. And I think that's the key of a good nutrition coach is it's somebody who's educated and knowledgeable enough to say like, I know a lot about paleo, flexible dieting, macros, intermittent fasting, keto. I have all these tools. Yeah. Let's assess you where you're at and see what we need to use out of all these yeah. to get you to where you want to be. Uh, I think that's a huge thing. I think if adherence is their first priority, I think that's a really good sign because yeah. it isn't like if I'm not invested in the longevity, if your coach or the person you're looking at isn't invested in your, the longevity of your results, I think that's a red flag. And adherence is the first thing you need to understand with that. Um, and it's why when we get on the phone with somebody, it's like, hey, like, we need, to, like, the guy I was, uh, that I mentioned today that I was on a, the phone with, mm -hmm. he asked me, like, why do you, what's up with a three-month agreement? I, I'm all in, but I'm just curious because I said, like, hey, we require a three-month minimum commitment. And I said the reason for that is because most clients stay with us for a lot longer than three months. However, three months is the minimum amount of time that I need to properly educate you to change your life. 
And it wasn't like, this is how long it takes to get you shredded. This is how long it takes to get you to your result or build muscle or anything. It's if we need to take six months or eight months or a year to get you to your goal, I need three months to teach you how we're going to do that. So if you can't afford me in three months, if you decide to do this on your own in three months, if you stay for six months, at some point in time, you're going to leave our coaching. I'm not going to coach you through the rest of your life. So a good coach looks at it like, okay, this is how long I have with them. This is how long I have to teach them what we're doing. Because if I don't teach you what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how it's working, you're not going to be able to repeat it when you're done working with me. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that you need in order to find a good coach is somebody who's invested in your long-term ability to adhere and sustain the results you see. Touche. And not put... Mic drop. Yeah. Not put your goals in a box, like you were saying, not just focus on one aspect yeah. of whatever your goal is. Yeah, it's not just weight loss. Yeah. It's not just muscle. Yeah. But like we've mentioned biofeedback like eight times already. How's your stress? How's your mood? How's your adherence? How's your consistency? How's your family? How's your life? Like yeah. those things matter too. And I think if somebody's only talking macros or like you check in with your coach and it's like, okay, drop 20 carbs. And that's all they say. Like that's a, that's a red flag. Like I want to know about you. I want to hear how things are going. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes and it's causing you to make these poor lifestyle changes because that's how we affect lives. Like people need to be bought in. That post I did on Instagram today, like I, I talked about, like this career was my only option. Yeah. There was no option B, there was no plan B. So finding a coach that's all in on this, and it doesn't mean like if your coach has another job, that's a bad sign. It just means that like they need to be truly invested in what you're doing and care about nothing more than that. Yep. I think that's like the best way to describe it. Dope, I love it, man. All right, I think we're gonna wrap it up there. There's not many more questions. I never do an outro, but let's do a fucking outro. Guys, few things that we should announce. Number one, I'm gonna put a link to this in the show notes. We did a seminar, me and Sam Miller, I went over training program design. You can grab that for free right now. Link in the show notes, click that, download it, get the knowledge you wanna get, it's completely free. Number two, we're doing another seminar, July 5th, no, July 20th. Show notes will say the date. I think it's July 20th. Me and Lauren Conlin, we just did an episode last week. If you want tickets to that, I'll drop a link to that as well. It will be similar to what I talk about in the free download. So download that, learn from that. And if you want to take that a step further and learn even more about program design, this is the seminar you want to be at. And Lauren, who is a professional, uh, I want to say bikini, maybe figure as well. She's competed in both, trains a bunch of pros. She's in the labs doing research. She's got her master's. Like she is legit. She's going all of her diet. So if you want to learn from her on the diet side, this is the seminar you want to be at. Um, we just launched FIT. We talked about that today. We'll put a link of the show notes that if you want to grab that. Um, and I think that's it, guys. If you have questions for me, if you want a t-shirt, I, I made this public. If you want a Boom Boom shirt, you can email us. Email info at boomboomperformance.com. We are allowing people to buy it that are outside the team now. So um, I'm excited about that. I posted on my story. I don't know if you saw that. And I had a ton of people email me for shirts. Yeah. So I was like forwarding Tori. So yeah. hopefully people will be rocking those. Um, so guys, check the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. I always appreciate you guys listening. And if you love this as much as I love doing it, leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. We'll catch you next time.